0: Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Holy Spirit, we know that you're in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that irregardless of what our mind says or what our emotions say, we know that you're here, Father. You never leave us nor forsake us. You're right here with us, Father. And we trust and believe, Father, that right now in this moment, Healing is taking place. Right now, if you have anything going on in your body, put your hand on that body part. Right now, in Jesus' name, be healed. Oh, thank you, Father. We thank you. We praise you. We give all glory, praise, and honor to you, Lord, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Amen. You may be seated, church. And now, church... I have a wonderful, wonderful moment for you. We have our great, beloved brother, Ryan Brubaker. Amen. Let's give a round of applause. He comes all the way from Nepal, and he's going to share with you what generosity
1: looks like. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, awesome. Thank you uh, for having me here. And Omar, man, once again, I call him Bromar because he's so... He's so jacked and so. Look at one hand each. Now he's just showing off, man. So, thank you for having me, all who are watching online. Awesome. Uh, We am so glad to join you. Uh, My name is Ryan Brubaker. I'm afraid he might have overhyped me. He's too good at his job. And so, if you need to take a nap, now's a great time to start. And so, anyway, it's an honor to be here with you. We love what God is doing here in Bridge Church. Amen. We've been friends uh, with Pastor Landon. 15 years now. So we knew him when he was like the skinny, geeky kid. Now, now he's like a macho GQ muscle, man. He was in Nepal with us, man, and watching him get into the taxis uh, looked like a grown man getting into a power wheel, you know, all that muscle, and he's like the car's riding backwards. So anyway, we love pasteling. We love what God is doing. Last night, we got to go out to dinner with your wonderful world-class team, man. You guys have just a legit team, man. And so I'm only 33, but I felt like such an old man. I was like, come on. One of them called me Mr. Brubaker. I was like, you're excommunicated. I'm not talking to you anymore. That's not even my dad. That's my grandpa, all right? Back off, man. Give me some years, all right? (laughs) Anyway, man, you guys are great. Seriously, GQ, man, leading worship here. And just, it's wonderful, really. Great move of God happening in Flagstaff, right? And we, dude, Arizona is so cool. Who's native to Arizona? Like, who was born and raised... Amen, yes. Who's an import here? Whoa, quite a bit, yeah. You've adopted Flagstaff. I see the beard and the camo shorts, yeah. (laughs) Like the model of Flagstaff, amen, yeah. You have some dead deers in your truck, right? (laughs) It's crazy, it's so, like, you guys might not know, but Arizona gets a bad rap, man. When people think of Arizona, they think of like old people in desert, you know? And Man, I drove through Sedona. And, and man, okay, Phoenix is desert. I'll just admit that. It's like scorched earth, like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah looking land right there. But, uh, but Flagstaff, man, I'm like in the mountains in one day. Desert, it's beautiful, man. You guys are blessed to live here. And so, but really, we just, we're so proud of what God is doing here. And I've been here once before. Does anybody remember me? I'm highly forgettable. So I don't I don't I don't I don't actually blame you. Well, okay, that's awesome. So anyway, just to give a quick explanation, I unfortunately am not traveling with my wife right now. We are on a 40 church speaking tour around the country in 3 months. Uh, she does churches, I do churches, and so usually we travel with our kids. So, you know, we're trying to actually like give them up for adoption right now. <laughs> if you ever want to test your love for your kids, travel the states, you know, for three months, yeah, you know, we'll give them away, i have them in the back, yeah, and so, but, but, uh, this is, like, one of my favorite stops, though, because this, this is a church that, like, you walk in, and there is a presence of God, there's a, there's a, an excitement, and it's not just Bromar, man, it is, everyone is excited, the loudest worship I've probably ever heard in a church, man. and there is an, an amen, yeah, <laughs> It is just great to see because I think God has great things for Flagstaff, right? Just coming into the community, there's a there's a hunger. It's a different. We have a weird view because we get like all the different communities. Flagstaff's a unique place, man, and it is a a prime time for for the harvest and. We're looking at the harvesters right here. Amen? Amen. Pastor Landon's great, but you're the harvesters. Amen? Right? You're the ones who are actually going and expanding the kingdom. So it is an honor to fellowship and be here with all of you guys. We really appreciate it. Your church has been investing into our movement for the past few years, and I'm excited. I get to share, along with preaching... I get to share what you guys have actually personally made happen. What you, what your church is doing. I'm going to destroy the report afterwards. Is not going to other churches. Not peddling it else. This is your campuses in other countries. And my sermon, I have one scripture that's like every person's dream, right? Like, woo, good. We get out of here quick. So, I went eight minutes over last time. So I apologize. I'm going 30 minutes. All right, I'm going for it. All right, yeah. So anyway. Uh, Just to give a quick background, uh, you can go ahead. Andrew, man, you are the man. You are the unsung hero, right? Amen. And ladies, he is single and he knows how to cook, so it's shameless plug, man, all right? He's got Hawaiian in him, so you you know he's a good man. So... Anyway, so in 2015, we started an organization called the Movement International. Our goal is to get the gospel to every person on the earth who's yet to hear it. Now, people are shocked that a quarter of the world still has never heard the name of Jesus. 25% of the world, 2 billion people on our planet, don't know who Jesus is. Now, my grandfather was born in 1923. There's 1 billion people on the planet total. Now we have 2 billion who have yet to hear, so we're actually losing ground. So something actually has to aggressively change to finish the Great Commission. You say, why should I care? Well, Jesus says, I can't come back. I'm not coming back till everybody hears. So unless you, you, know, you want to live and die in Flagstaff at the end, or if you want uh, to the, hear the trumpet sound, we have got to get the gospel out to every person. So our goal, we're on, we're on the path to 1.6 million house churches. That is how many new churches need to be planted so every person has access to the gospel in their language, in their culture, and in their area. And so anyway, um, as of today, what we've done, we started off with just a handful of churches in Nepal, and it's just exploded far beyond what we would have expected at this point. So today we're across nine nations. We have 5,000 new churches. And then we have 100,000 people attending our services every week, amen? Now, these nine nations are not the easy places. It's not like the U.S., not Europe, not Latin America, everybody's a believer. These are areas that are completely unexposed to the gospel, where people can actually lose their lives for the gospel of Christ. Now, luckily, our movement, we haven't suffered a martyr yet. But with our newest launch, I'll share in a minute, it's very possible that we will actually lose one of our brothers and sisters in Christ because of what we've asked them to do and that is not so it's not you know here they say hey join the worship team you might you might lose your head for it you might be martyred for it that's what we're asking people to do is hey will you actually go and preach but you might potentially lose your life for it and so this when we say we've we've started 5000 churches it's not just an easy it's not like you know, Mick Church, you know, or drive through church where you're just reproducing uh, the fastest burgers you can. These are, these are real churches that are actually risking their life to preach the gospel in incredibly difficult areas. Amen? And those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? That's, that's the same, but here's the thing. Yeah, amen. I'm going to share stories of, of some of the places that God is still moving or actually starting to move, but it's so crazy. We come back to the States and we hear such a defeated attitude. So this is, a, this is a godly country, right? Everything's rooted in it, but, but when, you, when we talk to Americans, they say, oh, no, man, God's done. It's the end times, let's just wrap it up and just seal it shut and we're done. We're just coasting to the end. America's too far gone, you know? The Republicans are in power. I'm just kidding, Democrats are in power, yeah. I'll joke about politics. I know it's Flagstaff, so I'll watch out, you know? The bearded guy's eyeing me up. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's got guns in his car, so I better watch what I say. <laughs> and so um, uh, God is not done with the US amen do you know what because we, we, we pray it's such a funny prayer we say God fill this place God fill this place in the New Testament God never filled a place he filled the people right and so, if, if we're sitting in this room, and I feel a desire for change. Look, we've we've preached it, dead churches. We've preached it, live uh, uh, churches that are alive. And this isn't a live church yeah. that wants the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God's not done with Flagstaff. God's not done with the U.S. because of people like yourselves. Amen. Yeah. And so, I, I'm, I, man, you guys are awesome. That's all I just want to say. We want to we want to see a, a revival around America, right here from Bridge Church. Amen. 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 So uh, you can go to the next slide real quick. I'm going to share two of our newest branches with you guys real quick. Shameless plug, all right? Shameless plug. I'm going to share what God is doing, though, in different places before I preach. So we're launching... Um, one, it's called the Movement Mongolia. Now, Mongolia is the least densely populated nation on the planet. It's like half the size of the U.S., but three million people. I mean, it's, it's like... Well, they, had a, they had a Mongolia had a tourism uh, slogan. It said, uh, social distancing by nature, you know? <laughs> because it is... <laughs> huge areas of land but here's the thing for the 3 million people half of them are still nomadic it's the last nomadic country in the world all buddhist and so they actually pick up and move their stuff they fold up their houses it's also the coldest capital city in the world i was supposed to go in december it's actually colder than antarctica it would have been a 165 degree change from malaysia to mongolia so i would have i would have frozen i'm freezing here that's this sweater is you know is is actually more for purpose to keep me warm than it is for style you know so But anyway, so what we're doing is we're actually launching churches through the Mongolian church. We're launching churches. Within two months of launching, we'll be the largest movement in the country. The only people who are able to actually go out and reach these nomads for Christ. Amen? Because the Mongolian church is raising up and sending out. They're the ones who are most equipped to do it. So we're going to see lots of people coming in for Christ, illiterate, formerly Buddhist, constantly transplanting themselves. And so the logistics are a nightmare, you can imagine. If Bridge Church moved every few weeks, you had to guess where church was, and, and then they had to send the passage. It'd be a nightmare. But luckily, the Mongolian church is handling that. They're going to expand across all 23 states. We'll have churches in all 23 states in two months. Amen? <laughs> now, the next one, unfortunately, because this is being shared online through wonderful viewers... I cannot share some of the juicy details of the places, not only for their safety, but for your safety. Uh, if they found out the kind of work that you are funding, it can actually be dangerous for this, this congregation. And so we want to be, you know, take care of you guys. And sadly, we've actually lost friends uh, in the Great Commission. And so actually, uh, there are more martyrs in the, in the last century than the previous 19 combined. Yeah, that's our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been losing thousands and thousands of people. So we take security very, very, very serious. Because the gospel changes, right? Yeah. People are offended by the God; They don't want the gospel to spread, but it is. Amen? Yeah. And so anyway, what we're calling this uh, is called the Abraham Initiative. We're establishing a multiplying presence across the Middle East, just like... Abraham, And so we hope to see a... a we're, we're starting in one country. It's the world's worst humanitarian crisis. It's North Korea meets Syria. And so I can't share the name, unfortunately, but there is a civil war, and it's being overrun by terrorists, by Muslim terrorists. So in the country, 30 million people. What's the population of Arizona? Does anybody know? Well, the Flagstaff school system. Man, this is actually... <laughs> <laughs> this is, <laughs> Anyway, I'm sure it's, it's probably the same. Imagine there was 300 Christians in all of Arizona. All right? That's how unreached this nation is. And yet what's happening, though, is we're building up the first network of these, these Christians to go and begin to expand and to begin to preach. 80% of the countries at risk of dying any day of starvation. On top of a civil war. On top of being overrun by terrorist organizations, but yet they're bringing hope and preaching the gospel of Christ in the world's worst mission field. Amen. And so that's not something foreigners can do. That is something that the locals are the ones who are spearheading an absolute movement. And but yet people in America say it's done. Oh, we've lost our country. No, when when we have three hundred Christians in America and we're overrun by terrorists. then you can maybe start to say, you know what, it's not looking real good right now. But right now, God is moving around the world. I joke, I say, yeah. it, here we claim revival, we pray for revival, but there they call it revival because there's never been life before. This is new. Yeah. This is the first wave of the gospel going up. 2,000 years. 2,000 years is the first time the gospel is being preached in these places. Amen. So they need your prayer. They've requested one thing from everybody, is that you join them in prayer. Amen. Cover them in prayer because they're running in. They're they're going headfirst right into battle, and they need you as their brothers and sisters to cover them because God is moving. Amen? Amen. 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 So you can go to the next one. I want to preach a little bit too. Now I got one verse. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah? that's good. That's right. Taking notes. It's an easy one, right? <laughs> so this is on the Beatitudes. Okay, the Beatitudes are incredibly simple. How many of you've read the Beatitudes? How many know what I'm talking about with the beatitudes? Yeah, I'm just kidding. yeah, right. And so I mean, these get preached over and over and over and over. They get preached. Like I, I, I joked in the first service, they're probably teaching this to the little kids today. It's the same sermon because it's so elementary. But here's the problem: is that we've had two thousand years, and when Jesus preached this the first time, this was anything, anything but elementary. It's anything basic. It was actually offensive. Now what we consider like really good teachings, I mean, you got sinners out there and people who don't even know Christ who are like, you know, it's good. Blessed are the peacemakers. You should be a peacemaker. It's in our society. If you went out in the streets and said, should you make peace or war? Everyone's going to say, I should make peace, right? Amen. I'm going to make peace. Because that's what you do. Because we have been birthed as a Christian society. So 2,000 years later, we forget the original context that Jesus was actually speaking. And when he said this, it would have not only been offensive, but it would have been heresy. It would have gone against everything that they actually had been believed and taught. And so you look, let's look at the early expansion of Israel. You can go to the next verse, if uh, next slide if that's right. So you look at the early expansion of Israel. All right. And so Israel starts off, you have Abraham, right? He's a good guy, and he goes and he goes to the middle. He starts to grow and he grow. It becomes a people. Then what happens? You have Moses and Joshua and all the Israelites they are standing on the edge. Of Canaan. Now that's the Promised Land. Now, who's been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel? Yep. See a few. Nice, yeah, yeah. Someone's clapping in the back. There, I can't. Yeah, you've been to Israel. Oh, there we go. And so, no. If 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 you ever be if you ever go to Israel, it just go to Phoenix. It's it's the same kind of land. It's kind of scorched. It's not a land worth fighting for. Abraham like came over from Iraq and he walks to Israel and God's like, here's your land, and he's like. Oh man! <laughs> like seriously, this is ugly. And so it's it's not a place to be fought for, but there is a, there is a, a spiritual reason. I love Phoenix, by the way. Is anybody from Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like apocalyptic, though. You know, it's like shh, scorched earth, man. And so you go to Israel, and it's not a beautiful land, but but God in an, an, an a a eternal purpose for it. He had to get to Jesus. So what happens is they're standing on the edge of Israel, and God tells them, he says, tomorrow you're going to go in, and you're going to just kill them all. And these young men, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was not prepared for this. I thought this was more of like a, a spiritual takeover, you know, like we're going in and Canaan, we're going to change them. No, God said, look, you're going to go in, you're just going to wipe them out, you're going to burn everything, you're just going to destroy it, all right? And like, okay, so they go in. God supernaturally moves, and he and he he wipes out. He gave them four hundred years to repent. So I know nowadays we're like, that's so rude. God, he gave them time, but God had an eternal purpose. So he come in whoo, and wipe them out. Then you see as Israel continues to expand, it's always by the sword. God says, come in. The enemies come in. Wipe out the Philistines. We're gonna take them over. They live life by the sword because that was how God was expanding the kingdom of Israel. Then all of a sudden. They're living in peace, but the Babylonians come. The Babylonians come, and they come with an even bigger sword. And they come, and they just wipe out the Jewish people. They just come, they wipe out, bring them over to Babylon. And then come the Assyrians, man, an even bigger sword. They kill the Babylonians. And you see this progression continue. Then come the Persians, and it continuously comes, and it's just wiping out. And the Jews and the mean this this, this, this like doll that's being tossed around and thrown around and, and punished, and so what happens then? Right before Jesus, the Romans come. You get four hundred years. If you look historically, those four hundred years were absolutely miserable. The Romans were the worst of the worst. They would come and they would just kill Jews. They would just use them like their little plaything. They would just uh, take out entire villages, destroy the culture, all by the sword. You, if you offend the Romans, you're dead immediately. No try, nothing. And so you're living in this culture. Now now what we see in the US today is is a very similar situation, it's very contentious. We fly back and, and, and it's a it's a it's a different country than when we came, right? So anyway, Jesus' world though, there is this this contentiousness. This fighting, this aggression towards the Romans—you have all these revolts are coming, and in all the whole time, starting from the Babylonian exile, what you hear is this talk of the Messiah, the Messiah—he's going to come. You know, he's going to be the George Washington of Israel. He's going to come, and he's going to smite the Romans, and and he's going to just wipe them all out, all by the sword. And they're they're waiting for this majestic, glorious king to come and just overthrow the Romans with the biggest sword ever and just wipe them out, right? And so Jesus, you know, in his early days of ministry, he brings all the crowds, all the disciples, and they're waiting for it. They're waiting for the big reveal of when he's going to come and wipe out the Romans, and he starts teaching, and he's like, okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm like, okay, I don't really like that one. <laughs> next one, let's go to the next one. You know, blessed are the meek, and, you know, and all these things. And then he gets to this, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they'll be called children of God. Now, in their ears, that would have been completely counterculture, culture message. Because what they were expecting, what they were waiting and praying for and hoping for was someone to come and deliver them by the sword. And what he did is he gave them the mandate. Yeah. He, gives them, he didn't give it to the Romans. He didn't say, okay, Romans, it's your turn. You need to make peace with the Christians. Please play nice. No, he looked at the church and he says, look, we are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. Amen. Amen. amen? amen. Now, now, here's the thing, though, is that it's easy standing on the mountain. They literally were on the mountain. You go to a retreat, you go to a great church service, you have a great prayer time, and God says, do this. And, oh, amen, you know? I'm going to tithe. I'm, oh, I'm going to do it until your, your bank account runs out, right? And then it's not so easy. So anyway, with, the, with the, the early church, these men who stood on the mountaintop with Jesus within their lifetime, The early Christian movement began to expand. It began to expand, and the Roman Empire, they hated it. I guess if you claim to be emperor in the Roman Empire, they're not the biggest fan of doing that, and so it'd be the equivalent of calling yourself the president of the United States. They're going to crack down. They came, and they smashed the church They smashed the Christians. They'd come in to churches like this and they would just wipe them out. They'd take them, they'd collect them, they'd bring them back to Rome. And historically, if you look, one of the emperor's favorite things to do is he'd collect all the Christians. He'd go in and he would ransack the churches and he would have these huge parties. And he'd have these huge parties and the Christians, sadly, were, were definitely not invited. But he would take them and he'd put poles in the ground. And these parties would be at night and he would tie up the Christians and he'd cover them in kerosene and he'd light them on fire as living torches. Now, now, it's easy to hear a message, blessed are the peacemakers, right? But then imagine having to sit across the Roman Empire and, and this message still applies. You have to look and sit at the people who are now collecting your friends and murdering them. And the mandate is not on them, it's on you wow. to actually go and be the one who makes peace, right? Yeah. Now imagine, yeah. what would have happened if the, the early church would have gotten wrapped up in the politics of the Roman Empire, right? It's like, we're going we're gonna to vote our way out, you know, not my emperor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what if they would have voted their way out? They would have gotten tied up, they would have put the stakes in the yard, like, I'm doing my Christian duty, man, I'm, I'm voting. But what happened is, is they ignored that. And they went for the Spirit, and what happened is the world's fastest-growing church in history, in an incredibly tumultuous situation, where, where the church is beginning to walk into those situations, they actually made peace. I mean, they made peace, and with the Roman Empire, they actually went in, and it transformed it, and it made it crumble, Because it changed so many people's lives that it actually shifted the entire culture of the known world. Amen? But we're struggling with America, not Bridge Church, uh, the other churches. We're struggling with America. We say it's done. What what if the early church, we can't throw money at the problem. There's not enough money. When you look at the wounds that are today, I mean, I flew from... Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia to Tokyo to Den uh, sorry Dallas so many cities to Chicago and the whole time and people are afraid. People are terrified. And then you, 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 you sit across, there's, there's racial tensions, man, there's and socioeconomic tensions. What's always happened is there's been a Band-Aid, man. It's like back in the 80s. Oh, man, racial tensions, just throw a Band-Aid on it. We'll fix it. We'll throw some money at it, man, we'll fix it, right? Vote the people into power. We're going to fix it, right? We'll take a plate of cookies to our neighbor. They're really struggling. I'm a, a Band-Aid, right? right? And so, but then what happens is, is every once in a while that Band-Aid gets peeled back. Man, I guess like when you lock people in their houses for for two months, you know, stuff starts to really that like speeds the festering up, right? And people had all kinds of feels at that time, man. You lock them inside with it, with Facebook too much, and it's just gonna expedite all of that unrest, right? And so we we got a we got a glimpse of when that and that was ugly, man. That was an ugly festering wound. So we act like these are new problems, but well, the problem is we we're applying worldly principles to fix it. We thought we could vote people. We thought we could we could th- just. Throw money at the problems. And when we get enough careers, throw it out. It's going to just change it, right? And so, what has to happen is the church, amen? The church has got to make the peace as mandated from Christ, amen? Amen. Amen. And so, uh, you can go to the next one. There's a huge difference between making peace and keeping peace. Easy to keep peace, right? We can—it's—it's it's cowardice to keep peace, right? That's actually not doing anything. Literally, to keep the peace, you just step back, right? Yeah. But to make peace, you have to walk forward into it. You know, we often confuse kindness with love. So I'm—I'm I'm just loving. We have people come overseas. I'm gonna love me on some babies. You know, that's like the—the the mission slogan. I'm gonna love me some Nepalese. Thing is, you can't—you can't love quickly. You can be kind quickly. Kindness is an aspect of love, but Christ didn't go to the cross because he was really kind. He went because he was full of love, amen? And that's what the world needs. That's what they, amen, yeah. And so, one of the issues, though, is, is when we fly back, we get a weird snapshot of America and it takes us back. We have culture shock when we come to the States, you know? I'm obviously born and raised here, but now my kids, man, they're Asian. They're fully Asian, they're city boys too. So I gotta bring them Flagstaff to grow a beard, you know, like that, yeah. <laughs> Get some, get some dirt in their fingers, you know? My, my son's favorite smell is parking garage. <laughs> so weird. He's seven. He's a weird kid. We'll make it a candle scent maybe for him. But when we come back, we get culture shock. And one of the things that just hits us hard is how individualistic the U.S. is. When, honestly, when we think, I'm okay, you're okay, you know? Uh, I always joke, I man, the, the way you can really see how individualistic the U.S. is is by how we eat, all right? I love Cracker Barrel. Anybody? Cracker Barrel fans? Yeah? Yeah? I, yeah. Of course, it's America. It's the national cuisine of the U.S., right? Explains our obesity epidemic, right? And so I love Cracker Barrel. I go every time I can. But here's what you do, man. You order. You order your mama's French toast or Uncle Herschel's favorite. I shouldn't have it memorized, but I do. And so you, you get it and you, you, you hoard it, man. You get your biscuits and your, your gravy. Or I don't know, whatever you're into. Mac and cheese. Everyone gets the mac and cheese, even for breakfast, amen? And so you take it and you sit and you, and you, and you do it. And if anybody touches your food, that's like an offense. You're like, back off back off my food, amen, because this is, this is the heavenly feast of the lamb right here, man, it's going to be served in heaven, and so when we moved to Asia, we'd sit down, we ordered the first time, I like ordered my, my sweet and sour chicken or whatever I got, and it comes, and you know, you sit down with the little rice, and then my friend reached their spoon into my bowl, and I'm like, back off in the name of Jesus, you know, like I ordered it, and so I'm like, you ordered your weird bean dip thing, I want my chicken, you just back off, and so they'd all take my food, and so what we come to find out is it's communal style eating. It's because when you sit down, you're, you're you're one. You sit together and you feast together. But in the States, man, look like you don't touch my stuff, right? And so, but that that applies to all of our life, though. Is is honestly, if, if this is okay, then that's okay, right? If if maybe my race has not been, you know. Culturally, you know, demeaned, then of course your race could not have, you know, or if or if if I'm doing fine financially in the midst of the pandemic, I don't understand how anybody else. Or here, if if I'm worshiping Christ in this beautiful church, then why are those people over in the Middle East? I mean, come on, there's no way there's those martyrs because none of my family have been martyred, right? And so Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jewish rabbi, all right? That is as community-based as you can get. And so when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, what he means is if someone in your world, if if someone in Flagstaff is hurting, you're hurting, amen? If someone in this church is hurting, you're hurting. If you're, yeah, amen? If you're, if in this last century, those martyrs, your family members were killed, in the eyes of Jesus, because that's your family, that's your community. So when Jesus says, be a peacemaker, it's, it's, if they are not okay, you are not okay. Amen. And so we have to aggressively make peace. Amen. And so I want to highlight a few families and a few people who are actually doing that around the world, because I'm going to be honest. Uh, America is, is like a Christian leader, right? And we have, we have just been at the top for years, but there is a growth around the world of people who are actually leading the way, and we have a lot to learn from them. I always say 2 plus 2 equals 4, but so does 3 plus 1. America's like, this is it. This is how we do it. This is what we're going to do. This is the only way. There's other ways, and there are people who are actually going and transforming not just their areas, but entire nations, and so I wanted to encourage. Look, I, I literally am the head of this thing, and when I hear these stories, I get encouraged. I get challenged. So I hope, open your heart and see what God is doing around the world. And listen, it can happen here in America through you. Amen? Hopefully without the persecution. But if it has to come to that, guys, it just might. so you can go to the next one here. These are three families. I just want to, uh, three situations I want to share with you guys. This first lady on the left here, unfortunately I can't share her name or her face or her country. When I met her, uh, she just had spinal surgery, all right? So she couldn't walk. Then she also found out she had cancer. So she's in the middle of chemo. Now, look, she's been an underground believer for 20 years. Her own family does not know that she's actually a believer in Christ. And so, What we approached her, we said, look, would you like to lead an entire nationwide movement to reach thousands of your people? And I'm not even kidding. And sitting in the restaurant, man, she just starts bawling. She starts crying. And she said, you know, I've been waiting 20 years to hear someone say that. So what we're doing, amen. Right now, she's leading a small house church, but she's launching a training program around the entire country. We're looking at thousands of people illegally coming to Christ because of a woman who has to walk around with a walker who's on chemo. And her only passion is to see her people come to Christ. Amen? Amen. Now that is a peacemaker, right? Now this next picture is incredibly exciting. This was smuggled to us. It was snuck to us. This is one of our churches. It's less than a mile from one of the major world's major terrorist organizations, during the services, they will actually go door to door and fundraise for this terrorist organization. So the door, not, and everybody has to hide and they can't have your loudspeakers, man. I could hear you guys from the gas station, you know. So that would be instant beheading for all of us because if they if they would have been found out, if someone would have seen them or heard them, instant killing, no trial. They would have been slaughtered because of where they are. Now, This is we are the only known movement that is actually working in these regions. We have former, I almost said the name, former members of this organization that have actually accepted Christ and are now planting churches among them, amen? Now the last picture is the first family of converts from the new branch that I mentioned, the North Korea-Syria thing. They are the first family. What you're looking at is 1% of the Christian population of an entire nation. 1%. Now, they have lost everything. Their families have disowned them. They got fired. They lost their jobs. Their friends have betrayed them. But here's the thing is they thank the pastor. They said, Thank you for introducing me to Christ. And what they're doing is they're actually going to the people who've now betrayed them, and they are going and preaching hope, and they're sharing the gospel of Christ with those families. I mean, because they, they could sit and wait for their nation to change, but they want to reach their, they're making peace with the enemy. Amen? Amen. Now, very quickly, I know uh, I've got five minutes left, but I have the microphone. So uh, sit for a while. We're going to be here all night, all right? <laughs> Um, So you can go to the next one there. I want to give three steps because we can talk about making peace, but it's one thing to make another. What are some practical steps that we can actually do to aggressively make peace? Because everyone, man, peace, you know, peace sign. That's that's so cheap. It's so easy. This is how we can aggressively go into situations and find trouble to bring the presence of Christ in. Amen? And so I also want to highlight a few of our churches and what they're doing as a a physical manifestation of these. And so first, reaching into conflict. Look, we could wait for the world to come to us. America's, I love America. But CNN and Fox, they both agreed. You know they're saying the exact same thing. They're saying America's a mess, right? (laughs) And so it's just, who's at fault? And so this, this country, while I believe it's a great country, it's, it's in turmoil right now, and it needs the church. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't need politics, Doesn't need, it needs the church. And so it's our job to actually go into it and shake hands with the conflict and make peace like that. So this this picture, I say all these pictures are great, so you just got to get with me because I get jazzed. Is that a word here? Yeah, I get really excited because God is moving, amen? So this picture is crazy. This is on Christmas morning. Now, where this was taken is the fifth most dangerous city on the planet. All right. So what, if you as an outsider wanted to go into the city, you start about 10 miles out and you. You get the military or the cops they bring you to the edge of the city and then the military actually puts an armored uh, vest on you and an armored tank and they drive you into the city. Now I know you guys are from Flagstaff so you guys might be okay with your shotguns and you might be, you know, go in there and really set them straight. But what you do is you go in and it's, the reason is is because constantly, day and night in the mountains, they're firing rockets into the city. It's turmoil The terrorist organizations are fighting for control over the city. Now listen, If God told me to plant a church, this would not be on my short list of cities that I want. That does not sound like a place to see the gospel flourish, right? But what we've seen is actually we have about 20 churches that have been planted in the midst of that. Amen? Now that is one of the most, I'd hate to see cities one through four, if that's number five. One of the most dangerous places in the history of the earth is seeing the gospel flourish. Amen. Now this is Christmas morning. What they decided to do, they decided to actually go out into the markets and open air preach with the Bible in his hands. I mean, we would have machine guns and we would have uh, vests on. They just armed with the word of God going around preaching the gospel of Christ. And this is not an exaggeration. When you're in the markets, you can get your fruit and then you can get your vegetables. You can get your rocket launchers. You can get more fruit and more vegetables. It is just like, that is how dangerous. My sons could buy grenades if they wanted to. I mean, that is the atmosphere. And they are then preaching the gospel to, so look, if you look at the faces of the men in the back, first, yes, they look very confused because they're hearing a message they've never heard. That is the tribal dress of one of the largest terrorist organizations on the planet. What they are hearing is the gospel being preached in an open-air market to some of the most violent men on the planet. Now, listen, they could have waited. Now, you can go to the next one. Now, I want to see, because of their bravery and courage, uh, this, this picture here is actually one of the churches. Now listen, this is two months after the doors opened. Two months. The room was full, 80 people. Now it's multiplied and continued to grow in in that city. Amen? But yet we say America is beyond hope. Amen? Now look. People say, oh, it's Asia, man. They just, they come to Christ like crazy. We'll send some high schoolers over there. Look, these people are risking their lives. There's a reason their faces are blanked out. It's because they're there illegally. They would be killed for this decision to follow Christ. Now, here's where it gets even more exciting. Sorry, man. Is this this exciting to you for your brother? Amen, amen, okay. (laughs) The next one, uh, you see this picture. We run a church-based Bible college. We have campuses all over the world. We have two thousand students right now. By the, by winter, we'll have five thousand. Stinking COVID again, man! It shut it all down. So each before you can get your degree, you have to plant and pastor three churches. So we're looking at fifteen thousand churches in the next three years, just from this. But here's the exciting thing: is this cohort is from this church. So what you see, it's, you can't. It's a long hallway, so you didn't get all of them. There's 10 people in this cohort. So That means 30 new churches are going to be planted in this ridiculous city, and that's just the beginning. That's just from one of the churches in that. It, that's reaching into a conflict and actually going in and transforming it from the inside. I mean, they were attempting to kill their pastor, and now they're doing the exact same thing. Amen. That is the power of the gospel of Christ. Amen. No. I want to briefly share what your church has done, because you guys are so generous. This is a generous church, really. You guys are great, man. And so I want to share, you guys have been so faithful, and you have one day when you get to heaven, you're going to have a bunch of different races come. Up. I don't know. Maybe we'll all speak English. That's the heavenly language. We'll get up there and they'll, they'll be able to, but they're going to thank you because you actually invested in their lives. So listen, when when the lockdowns, yeah, that's cool. When the lockdowns started, we we're at risk of losing a thousand people to starvation. They say more people will die of starvation from the lockdowns than they will actually die from COVID across these countries. And so tens of thousands of our believers lost absolutely everything. They lost their jobs, their homes. We had one, he wasn't a believer. His wife was a believer. He committed suicide because he could no longer feed his family. So anyway, we put it out there. that I know COVID times are tough. We said, hey, can people invest in their brothers and sisters in Christ? What ended up happening is is enough money came in to feed 7,000 people for two months. All right. And so you can go to the next one. So this picture right here, I'm going to delete this after. I'm not sharing this with any other churches. This is Bridge Church's investment. You, had, um, you, you delivered over one ton of rice, this church. You had about 1,000 people. Amen. You had a 1,000 people that you actually fed, and they could live through this because of you. Now, those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. You took care of your family, amen? And so you look at these. These are some of the distribution centers that you guys actually set up, and so we cannot thank you enough for your investment, your donations. Now, Pastor Landon, he, we didn't even ask him. He jumped on and made a call, and you guys all responded, and we are eternally, they are eternally grateful. They know that Bridge Church donated, and they're actually praying for you. And so it's, a, it's like a spiritual partnership now. All right, you can go to the next one, real quick. All right, so this picture is man, it's always exciting. Sorry, I am very excited about what God is doing. Amen? Right? Amen. These are what our brothers and sisters are doing. Right? So, look, the next thing stepping into someone else's world, man, looking across the aisle and saying, look, you're different than me. I'm Republican, you're Democrat. Maybe we can have coffee. Ooh, man, that's dangerous, right? You're black, I'm white, you're Mexican, whatever. uh, Stepping into someone else's world and actually understanding where they're coming from and trying to bridge the gap. And so, look, this picture right now, we we launched an initiative called the Top of the World Initiative. The Himalayas stretch six countries. All right, they have 50 million people in them, almost completely untouched by the outside world. The first foreigner who went in back in the 60s, one of the areas, they had never even discovered wheels. They had no use of wheels in their entire society. It's completely untouched by the outside world. So what we're doing is we're setting 1,000 church planters, 1,000 men and women to go into these areas, preach the gospel, and establish community-transforming centers of the gospel. Amen? So this was our first contact This pastor walked two weeks from the edge of the Himalayas into the Himalayas and he made contact with a tribe. And what's happened is now the tribe is starting to accept Christ. And they're still slaughtering animals. Uh, Pastor Landon and Mark Granke came to Nepal. And I'm not even kidding, man. We witnessed it. We saw the slaughtering. We literally had the blood on us because that stuff is still happening today. And so these now what they're doing instead of sacrificing animals they're worshiping Christ. Amen. But here's the exciting part is they've taken hold, completely illiterate society, they've taken hold to begin to preach and, and train other people to go and to start launching new churches and seeing transformation in one of the most untouched places on the planet. Amen? Now, a two-week walk in Nepal is difficult, man. That is mountain and incredibly difficult. But doing that, stepping into someone else's world to preach and see transformation. Amen? Amen? Man, go two ahead. I'm, I'm already three minutes past. Is that cool? You got another 45 minutes for me? That's right. oh, that's, I, I like this church. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, this one's good. So, what I want to share, though, uh, is your impact. All right, I skipped the last slide. Don't worry about it. Your impact. I want to share what you guys have done. Now, a few years ago, you adopted a state of Nepal called Janakpur. What you do is you partner every month with a team of church planners in the beginning to plant bridge campuses. Now, I'm so happy to say there are 250. Uh, plus, no, it's harder to count now because they're, they're growing so quickly and some are small and they're growing. So you have over 250 campuses that are meeting. You have, you have Bridge Church in Nepal. Now listen, yeah, amen. If you guys were a denomination, you would be bigger than the Assemblies of God, the Baptists, the Lutherans, the Catholics combined. You are impacting more people for Christ than anyone on the planet in that state. Amen? Now, this is one of the churches here. This was a few weeks after it opened up. These are all new believers, all new former Hindu believers who are now worshiping Christ. They're your brothers and sisters. They, I want to say they would not be in, in following Jesus if it were not for you. It's not like a, a gray area where, oh, maybe, no, they would not be in Christ if it was not for you guys. Amen. And so we cannot thank you enough. And this, this next picture, also with the Bible college, not only are you guys the biggest denomination, you guys are also the largest Bible college in the entire state. Now, actually, if you just took your, 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 uh, the amount of students you have from your churches, you'd be the biggest in the entire nation and so you, what you are doing is you are raising up hundreds and hundreds of men and women. Man, it's 2020, right? Where are my women at? Hey, I, I think women are better at this than we are, right? Amen. So we have about 50% of our uh, students are actually women who want to be pastors. And so they're going forth and bringing change. So you're looking at, at hundreds of new churches over the next few years because of your program. I mean, you guys are, you guys are huge, man. Amen. None of that would be happening without you guys, though. That is your campuses. Feel free, I think, taking a trip again sometime. Uh, You know, you'll fit right in, man. Mountains. (laughs) I'm jealous. That's why. I just can't get past it, you know? And so you come and see the men and women who are actually risking their life to partner with you guys. Amen? But that is 100% because of you. Now, I want to share two quick miracles, all right? And so, because we can talk about going in and, and really just striving and shaking hands with conflict. But look, if, if we can't allow God to work in it, it's just another Band-Aid, right? It's just us having conversations and trying to in our own flesh. And so we have to not just believe in the miraculous, But we actually have to act on it, where if if you do something and God doesn't come through, you're going to look like an idiot, right? That's when you know you're actually taking a step for God, whereas if he does not operate, you will either get hurt or you'll look real dumb doing it, right? And that's the kind of stuff that we have to, as the believers, have to operate in to see actual change, amen? And so I want to share these two stories uh, I'm not going to say I'm excited, okay? But I'm excited, all right? I'm just going to show I'm excited because God is still working, all right? And this isn't because it's in Asia or it's in Latin. No, look, God is working around the world, amen? And so, look, we started a church in eastern Nepal. And and, uh, this family accepted Christ. We started the church two years ago. Family accepted Christ. They lived three miles away. Okay, so they'd walk all the, you know, they'd walk to church, and then they would walk back. Every single week, they'd go midweek service, whatever. They'd go, and they'd walk the six miles. Now, in Nepal, six miles is, like, wicked hard. We took a six-mile car ride with Pastor Landon. It took six Hours they were literally building the road that we were driving on. It was crazy, and so walking six miles in Nepal is not easy. But the family would go. Everyone except the father. His name was Kumar. Eight years previous, he had gotten in a bad accident and he became uh, quadriplegic. Couldn't move. Couldn't walk. He had not got out of his bed on his own in eight years. So the family, they keep. And one one week after service, it must have been a great sermon. They were full of faith. They said, "You know what? We're going to pray." We are not going to, to let him be paraplegic anymore. So they go home and they pray, they lay hands on him, and they, they just begin to fast and believe in the Lord. And what happens he stands up. First time in eight years, stands up. So they're, they're, they're excited, man. They're, oh, man. So then he, he walks out into the village. Now, Nepal, man, everybody knows everybody's business in Nepal. So it's not like, oh, you had a man hiding in your house for eight years. Nobody knew who he was. So when they see a paraplegic walking around, a revival sparks, right? Amen. But then, Kumar says, you know what? That is not enough. I want to go to church. I'm a Christian who's never fellowshipped with other believers. Amen. Amen. Now, if, if bridge was a six mile walk, who'd be here this morning? <laughs> hey, this dude, the first service, they're all weak, man. You guys are the, you guys are the tough, the true flag staffers or flag staffians. I don't know what you guys You're the, the real ones. And so, anyway, he said, I want to fellowship with believers. So he walks six miles, takes this picture. Now, this is probably on the easy part of the journey right here. He's catching his breath, and so he walks in. And imagine the faith that that. Imagine someone walking in the back here. That worship service would be lit on fire. Amen. And so, yeah, amen, amen. But now that revival is sparking in the area because of one miracle. People are accepting Christ and seeing that He's preaching the gospel. Amen. Healings and miracles are not for us. That's that individualistic. I want a miracle. Oh, I need a miracle, but, but really when, when God heals, when God provides, it's for the community, right? It's for, the, it's for the, the, the church, not the church, the church. It's for the community of believers, amen? Now, this last one is, is just so cool, all right? This, this boosts my faith, all right? I wanted to challenge you as well. This is a young man. He was the son of one of our pastors, this is the son of one of our pastors got in a horrible car accident one day, and uh, unfortunately in their country, it's they don't have ambulance like we have, Where you call them, and they, you know you, they throw you in the back of the car, and they speed off, and they drag you out. In the process of the car accident, a, a piece of metal went into his liver. You can see the, the, the huge wound right here. His face is all bloodied. And so... The doctor, they rush him into the hospital, they do a a blood check on him. His hemoglobin level was only two. And so a low level is 13. 13 to 17 is like the sweet spot. So anywhere under there, they need medical intervention. So he was at two, which means he's got almost no blood left in his body. Then the doctor, they decided to do a scan also. And they see that his liver had a huge hole in it. So the doctor calls the family and says, look, we have to do surgery on your son uh, or he'll die. But the problem is if we do surgery, he does not have enough blood. He will not live through the surgery. He's, he's just gone. He's dead. So the pastor, he calls the church. Now, these are all brand new believers. They come together, and and, and they begin to pray, new Muslims. And they begin to pray, and they fast and pray all night. And so one of the ladies comes up. She's a new believer, and she says, Pastor, I have a vision. You know, And you get a new believer with a vision. Sometimes you're like... All right, well, let's hear it out. So what she, she says, the Lord is showing me he's pouring blood back into your son. You know, I like, okay, amen, amen. And he prayed and he you know, believed it and, and, and went with it. And so the next morning they go to the hospital and then he's still alive. So they decided to do one more check. His hemoglobin level jumped to 10. The doctor said I, that I does not make any sense. So then they decided to do a scan again on his liver and the, the hole had sealed shut. Now, you can see the wound on the outside is still there, but his liver had actually sealed shut. Amen? And so he calls, hallelujah, he calls the family, and he says, Look, I do not have to do surgery on your son anymore. But if I did, he has enough blood that he would survive. He said, I literally do not understand what just happened here. And the family said... Well, I, I can tell you what happened. Amen. And they began to share the gospel. That is a miracle that the Lord is working. Amen. The Lord is alive and he is, he is transforming communities. If we take a step. Now, what if the family would not have shared the gospel? I don't know if the Lord would have healed. Because the Lord heals for the power of the gospel to be seen and to be shared. Amen. Now, look. Uh, you can go to the last one. The most powerful force on this earth is the church, right? We have the Holy Spirit, obviously. We have all the 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 money, all that. The most powerful force is the church. The world needs us. These people that you heard about today, they could have sat back. They could have sat in their comfy churches could have eaten their chicken rice dish together and they could have just relaxed, but instead they're actually proactively going and transforming the community. I believe great things are in store for Flagstaff. Amen. This is a church that's growing. Two years ago, you guys are growing, growing, growing and influencing. Amen. Amen. And with that... There's going to be people who do not look like you, or who act like you, or who smell like you, who walk into this room, but being transformed by the power of not just Christ, but the church. Amen? Amen. Now listen, can we close our eyes? Amen. Can we close our eyes? I want to just pray. Can we actually, you know what, everyone just stand. Let's just stand. Is that okay? Because I want to pray. I want to pray for Flagstaff. All right. Our brothers and sisters are are doing incredible things over there, and I, I feel I'm sitting in a similar spirited room here of a church that wants to actually see transformation. Amen. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't fill places; He fills people, and I believe this is a place that wants more. So let's let's pray. Everyone, just pray, and let's see the Lord move across the said Father, we commit this church into your hands father i feel the spirit in each of these people that is hungry to see change father lord people who want to go and be peacemakers and bring transformation not wait for it bring transformation to this community and to the world father and i just pray for revival lord i pray that revival would come with miracles lord I pray revival would come with committed believers who are willing to go. You would bring peace to this nation, that the world would watch the church bring transformation, amen, and start it here, Lord. Start it here, Father. I pray for a similar move of what's going on around the world, that you would see that here, backed by miracles, backed by power, Father. Lord, I pray that you would send us out to see transformation, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Look, it is an honor to be here with you guys. We consider it just a great privilege to be partnering with you, to see the lives that you've impacted. We cannot wait. We secretly watch all of your videos on Facebook. We love this church, man. You guys are doing incredible things. I know Pastor Landon's a great guy. He's not here so I can say this, but you guys are the powerhouse behind it. He would just be a pretty man standing up here, right? You are the ones. Amen. This is where revival is coming. And now I see why this church is growing so fast. And so thank you for allowing me to be here with you guys. And I look forward to seeing what's going on in the future. Amen, Bromar.
0: Let's give it up once again for our brother, Brian. Man, thank you, brother. We're so honored and privileged to have him in our house. Amen. And I thank you so much for coming all the way here and just sharing what our generosity is doing around the world. Amen? It's something so powerful for us to know that, man, how much we can impact. We always think that all we can do is just what's here, but, man, it's such an honor and a privilege to know that our generosity is going beyond these walls, beyond these barriers. Amen? So we're so thankful. Amen. Glory. Right now, I want to open up an invitation to everyone, everyone watching us online. This day could be your day. There's men and women in this room that I know that you know in your heart, man, I need Jesus. You men and women watching us online, this day could be your day. The day of salvation. Amen. So right now I'm going to open up an invitation. If you receive Jesus, repeat together with me. And every head bow now and every eye closed, we're going to say it together. Dear Jesus, Jesus, I I receive you now as my Lord. As my Savior, as my Heavenly Father, come into my heart. I am now your child, and you are my Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And if you have decided to do that today, please plug in with us. Share, get plugged in online. We'd love to communicate and connect with you. Amen. There's no better place, people than to be in the house of the lord and as i watch the rain out behind us i feel like it's a sign of how the dew of heaven is falling on each and every one of us in this place you're not leaving the same people we know over and over that any time that people got together to worship jesus to talk about jesus ain't nobody ever left the same so feel loved feel honored amen so now we're going to say our declaration together and i want you guys to do this honor me and say it with conviction and power like kings and queens that you are amen let's say this together i am a bridge builder this is my season of favor i am blessed to live my best I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Thank you, big Church. We love you. We look to see you again. Bye-bye. Glad you joined us today. If this message spoke to you and you decided to make a spiritual decision, we would love to connect with you. You can do that by sending us an email to info at and let us know that you took that step today. Also, if you are new to our Bridge Church online family, we have a very special gift that we would love to send you. You can also email us at info at wearebridge.church and share some information so we can send that gift to you. Again, we're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. So stay connected, because remember, we're better together. Bye, Bridge fam.